everywhere I turned, I was just shocked. And I was just like, and they weren't even like, I was like, dang, I was like, she can even get one of my dudes. I'm like, for real? I was like, I was like, I mean, not to be superficial, but I was like, she, she don't got it like that. So I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, dude. So I don't know. I really felt impressed from that. And actually, your um, is it your friend, the black guy with the dreads. He doesn't have anymore, right? Well, I don't think he has dress anymore. Yeah, yeah. He was like, we're going to find you somebody. Because it was just obvious. It was so obvious. Like, in our age group. And then you and Anthony and Ron took a picture with your wife. Yeah. And all of them were white. And it was just... I had never felt so unwanted before. And that depressed me for a little bit. And then I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep tasting the rainbow and <laughs> do my thing. But I that reinforced my need to not just within my race. Welcome to B-Side Conversations, the podcast that brings the other side of reality from the black and brown folks that live it every day. You see us, but do you know our stories? You hear our perspective, but where does it come from? You are us, but maybe you think you're the only one. I'm your host, Jonathan Hall, and I'm so glad you're listening. Sit back and open your mind's eye to a new way of experiencing the world on the B-Side. Welcome back, B-Side listeners, to episode four of the podcast. Uh, Today I have a very important and uh, interesting topic to discuss with one of my good friends, um, Nicole Jackson. We're going to be talking about interracial relationships and mostly her perspective on interracial relationships, the... Uh, conceptions about dating outside your race that she inherited from her parents and um, her parent situation, uh, how that, uh, how those conceptions and those ideas about dating outside your race played out in her life as she went from an HBCU, uh, an al- almost all black environment to her career uh, now living in Milwaukee where it was much more um, racially diverse and how uh, she sort of came of age with this, with the ideas of, around interracial dating and interracial relationships that uh, she inherited from her parents, from society, uh, and from her peers. And so I think she has a really interesting perspective to share as a black woman, um, as a woman who grew up middle class, as a woman who grew up uh, in the affluent suburbs of uh, Northern Virginia, and then as a woman who. Um, is the uh, sister-in-law to a white woman, uh, a woman uh, that her brother married, um, and a friend to myself uh, and another friend, another black man friend who um, married, both of us married white women. And so I think it's uh, important to hear the perspectives, the different perspectives from people around this topic, and hopefully this will generate some conversations um, and some more explicit discussions around the issue of uh, dating outside one's race. Um, So please enjoy, and uh, any comments that you all might have or thoughts and ideas might have, please, please email the show um, and start this conversation, because I think this is something that we don't really uh, discuss openly. Um, but that people have very strong opinions about. Uh, and it's important, I think, for us to uh, 
um, bring those conceptions, bring those ideas into the light, into the larger discussion so that we can have a, a healthy um, and informed uh, relationship with dating outside our race. Enjoy. Yes, indeed. All right. So welcome to B-Side Conversations, episode four. I am here slightly inebriated. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> with uh, my good, 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 good friend, Nicole Jackson and her dog, Roxy. Hi. <laughs> Roxy's wanting some love right now. Yes. She realizes some attention is not being put towards her. Exactly. So the, now she wants some. The mic went on and she's like, oh, I need to be paid attention to. Um, but yeah, so Nicole, you're you're live. This is this is like in the studio. I know. I feel like I should be on the phone with talking <laughs> to you like we normally are. But yeah, I'm here on a microphone. Yes, indeed. Ready to talk about. Yeah, what are we talking about today? Love, sex, and videotape. No, <laughs> when it crosses racial borders. Oh. <laughs> Okay. All right. Relationships in general. Right. Yes. Relationships in general, but specifically interracial relationships. Yes. And um, this is, I don't know. in in my In my experience, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about this. But in my experience, it's it's either a non-starter in depending on what community you're talking about, or it's um, like something that people just don't talk about. But before we get into that, just. Mm-hmm. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, uh, what you do, uh, and uh, where you live now. All right. So as you mentioned, I'm Nicole. I also go by Cassandra for some of those who know me in other circles. But uh, I grew up in a military family, so we moved up and down the East Coast for most of our life. But home, I would call Virginia. And I grew up in the suburbs of Virginia for most of my life. So I grew up predominantly around a lot of non-black people, I would say. Mm -hmm. I went to a high school and there were 600 people in my senior class and six of us were black. So I grew up not actually being comfortable around black people when I was growing up and actually went to HBCU, FAMU because of that. And that was my upbringing. And then I went into adulthood. I, I'm an adult now. <laughs> I can admit that finally at 33. And I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I work at GE Healthcare. That's why I moved out there. And for the most part, I'm basically an IT nerd at GE Healthcare. I'm a manager. So I, whenever I try and explain what I do, nobody understands it, so I'm not going to try. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, 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 we've been friends since, good grief, 2001, 2002? 2001, when you and my brother were roommates. Yeah. And y'all used to pass the phone between each other, and I couldn't tell the <laughs> difference between who was talking to me. That was fun. That was fun. But yeah, so I've, I've known you for 14 years, and I, yeah, I still don't know what you do. So I kick butt at GE. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's that's what I tell people. But that's fair because you don't really know what I do either, right? We were just talking about this earlier today. I know. <laughs> I was like, I thought you worked with vultures. I do. But now you do maps. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Vulture map. Vulture map. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's really interesting that you know that you mentioned that about your upbringing, um, and specifically like growing up around non-black people. 
because mm-hmm. we just did an episode on being like the token only one and so um, yep i identified a lot with what she said and being called the oreo yeah and i was just like well they taste good so (laughs) but that took a while to get to that point of being able to wipe that off and just walk away from it yeah yeah it is a challenge we should we should probably do a follow-up episode about that um okay so going from so going from that upbringing, being around non-black people, not really being that comfortable with black people. Uh-oh. Oh, Packers. We're also watching the Packers game because for some reason Nicole's a Packers fan. What do you mean for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> They're the best team uh, ever. Sure. Uh, all right, we'll go with that. We got a bet riding on this one. Anyway, um, largest deficit at the half. Yes. <laughs> ever. I'm not going to call it yet. I can't. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, so growing growing up, um, not being around a lot of black people and being uncomfortable with black people, kind of like not having that experience. How do you think that influenced your dating when you sort of were coming of age? Like what what was your, yeah. what was your, yeah. Anyway, how did I have my it? introduction to dating? Well, yeah. It was kind of weird because my both of my parents are from Georgia, South Georgia, or actually Central Georgia, and they grew up always around black people. They actually went to segregated schools until middle school for the most part. Wow. And so when we were growing up, they actually told us not to date white people specifically, but to date black people. They Mm -hmm. wanted us to only date black people. But at our school, it was just there weren't really a lot of selections. So I was looking at them like they were the black kids that were trying to be thugs and were trying to smoke up after school and go play basketball and and be, quote unquote, what they saw on TV, thuggish. And I'm like, but your dad drives a Mercedes. So (laughs) you can't be a thug in the suburbs. It's not going to (laughs) work. You're not really hitting them streets, right? You're right, exactly. And then, you know, there were some people I dated, but nobody that was just like, oh, yeah, they're really cool. But I felt like I could only date black people. But there wasn't a lot to choose from. And then there actually was a white guy I was interested in in high school, and he was interested in me. And I remember I was, we hung out once after school. We were in the same math class. And then I, he we were in the same neighborhood, and I was going, he invited me to his house to play pool. And I was getting on my bike to go ride over to his house. And my dad was like, who are you going to go visit? And I can't even remember his name now. We'll say his name is Sean mm-hmm. or something like that. But anyways, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go visit Sean. And he was like, is that a white boy? And I was like, yes. And then he was like, come with me to go pick up your mother. <laughs> and I couldn't go. I wasn't allowed to go. All, all of a sudden, you you had to go with your dad. I had to go with my dad to go pick up my mother. Wow. And that was like just a reminder that I wasn't supposed to be romantically involved with someone that's not black. Huh. So we're... Uh, well, I mean, your mom is here, so we could actually ask her... Oh, she where... had her own experience <laughs> with my brother. So... I remember that story. Yes. <laughs> Where my mom came home, Ooh. and my brother was sitting with the white girl in the living room, oh. watching TV. 
And my brother got called upstairs <laughs> and was like, that girl is going home now. No. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, that that I'm, I'm sure there's people who are probably not listening to this podcast that could relate to that, right? So, like, the other side, like, white people who tell their children, like, don't date black people. So... And, you know, there there are reasons. I mean, there are reasons for both sides. So what do you think were the reasons or did your folks talk to you about the reasons why you weren't allowed to date outside your race? It was different reasons between me and my brother and uh-huh. different reasons because I was a girl and he was a boy. So for me as a girl, it was more they wanted our first. Well, for, well actually, for both of us, they wanted our first experience of love and mm. our heart to be within our own people. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want us to get conditioned to going outside of our race. Not saying that we couldn't ever do it, but mm-hmm. it was just they wanted our first experience to be within our race and have quote-unquote black-on-black love mm-hmm. because that's what they grew up knowing, and, and it's a powerful thing when it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then for my brother, in addition to that, it was, you know, they grew up in Georgia, you know, where it's, you know his word against hers and if it's a black boy's word against a white girl's word and she says you know calls out rape he's going to jail and so they were scared for my brother as far as you know from a racism growing up in such a racist society in georgia that's where they came from Mm -hmm. and they were basically warning my brother for his safety don't date outside of your race Mm -hmm. but for you it was was it just the issue of them wanting to be conditioned or I think my for my dad it was more <laughs> a more of a pride and yeah. like I want you to be with someone that like, looks like me and like that was purely my dad just being like I want you to stick with stick with us stick with us black dudes right. but for my mom it was more she wanted my first experience she didn't want me to be conditioned to go outside of what she's comfortable with and what she wanted us to be comfortable with uh-huh. so and I think that was part of knowing where we lived and knowing that we were one of two black families in our whole, in our vicinity of our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It was, they wanted to push us more towards sticking with our race before we went outside. Cause they didn't want us to be, think that was just normal to always go outside of our race. They wanted normal to be with our black people first and then look outside second. Yeah. That's what I think it was, but yeah. That's my mom later. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting, too, because um, my parents didn't have as explicit an approach to dating. Um, and and it, I don't remember specific conversations, but I, I seem to remember it, it always being okay for me mm-hmm. to, to look outside. But, but I always sensed like the, huh, okay. Bring someone home that we can use the same comb. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's sort of like, yeah, you can make that choice, but, you know, we'll we'll be happier if you make a different choice. But that's an interesting thing to to think about, like, your first experience uh, with love being with a black person. Well, I mean, the first time you fell in love, you never forget that. Jonathan, <laughs> I remember the first person, or was it? I hope it was before that person, but I remember your first love. Morehouse, Spelman. oh yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't even, I don't, yeah. I don't know what that was. That was <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> so... You all can't see Nicole shaking her head. 
that was a mistake. Yeah, that was that was a mistake. Um, but he corrected it and is with a wonderful woman now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But yeah, so I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to think back of like my first even like puppy love sort of experience, and it was with a. Yeah, was it? Yes, it was with a black, uh, a young black girl um, in middle school. What about your first experience? Actually, my first time, you know, puppy love, like back when I was I mean, a little kid. Yeah, like the first person you called your boyfriend, right? Oh, it was a it was a black guy. Tim Trueheart was actually his name. I love the name Tim Trueheart. Tim Trueheart. Tim Trueheart. Yeah, that's yeah. a great name. It was a great name. <laughs> And he was cute. He was. We both ran track, and I think we dated for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first experience. My first kiss was with a black guy, but I don't remember his name. It was on a cruise, uh-huh. so it was. And my whole family watched, but that's another story. <laughs> so your whole family watched your first kiss. Yeah, it was on. We were all on a cruise ship for my grandparents' fiftieth wedding anniversary, and they all happened to be watching the deck. And I was out with, with that boy, and I didn't find out till the morning. Till my auntie's boyfriend was just like, "I saw you last night." <laughs> and I was just like, "Okay, oh, well." God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. That's great. So what about your 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 first sort of semi adult adult relationship? Well I went to FAMU, historically black college, uh-huh. so it was surrounded by black folks. Negroes. So. <laughs> Nothing but Negroes. Nothing but Negroes. So thinking back thinking back to that time, I mean, were people outside of I knew I know you weren't exposed to many non white people. Mm-hmm. But would you have dated somebody who was non-black while you were at FAMU? I I didn't think about it. It was more mm-hmm. I was I was very shy with guys in period growing up. It took me a while to be comfortable with male attention. Yeah. But it was just and I still am a little shy with it, but mm-hmm. it's just like now it's like I more look at the person and it's more I've always looked at the person like the person the white guy I liked in high school it was more we had a connection we used to we had a connection and that's why I liked him and I still keep in contact I guess through Facebook now and Uh keep tabs on what he's doing but um, if there was yeah actually there was actually there was this boy we actually called him white boy Paul (laughs) I think we called him white boy well no white boy Troy White boy Troy. White boy Troy on campus. He used to always spit poetry at all the black sisters on campus. Everybody was a Nubian queen, and he used to sell cowrie shells. But if he had probably asked me out seriously, I probably would have thought about dating him. Okay. But I always ended up dating. I was more into foreign guys. The first guy I fell in love with was a Kenyan guy. Uh-huh. And so that stamped like, oh, an accent like triggers something in me where I'm just like, hmm, they're interesting. Uh-huh. And I pay extra attention. But now it's, I think after I moved to Wisconsin and I became an adult with, you know, growing up in life, I became more open and free and I Taste the rainbow is what I call. So <laughs> I've dated pretty much everything. White people. I've gone out with a Middle Eastern guy before. I've gone out with everybody except probably Asian. Uh huh. Yeah. Like like East Asian. Like yeah. Like Chinese, Chinese, Japanese, Chinese, Cambodian. Yeah. Yeah. Thai, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Interesting. So, um, let's see. I had a bunch of questions in my head. Um, and then I kept rambling. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's that, that, that's great. I think every, everything you said so far is really, really interesting. Um, <clears throat> so let's, let's talk about, so growing up before you leave home, mm-hmm. sort of dating outside your race is not, is really frowned upon in your environment. And you talked about being really shy with guys and so that combination meant I didn't date you didn't a lot. Date, date at all. Period. Yeah. And the one white guy was like kibosh by my daddy <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So and then and then you go to FAMU and there's nothing but Negroes mm. around and like white boy Troy is who's hitting on everybody. Who's hitting on everybody? <laughs> right, right. So you're you you he doesn't make you feel special. Oh, he made you feel special while he was while reading he was, a poetry while to you on the that bus. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, yeah, he probably yeah. So so did you did you and your friends have conversations about interracial dating? During yeah. that time at FAMU? I don't remember that as much, but throughout as throughout life, especially as I got older and I have black female friends, we talk about, I you know, I talk about tasting the rainbow and they're like, I, I just couldn't do it. And it was just like, they had, there's like some who had that response like, really? Like, what is it like? Like, it's like a foreign territory, like they're an alien and they're like, <laughs> not flesh and blood, homo sapien, just like you. And so... They, you know, have all type of questions about, you know, from relationship, like how do you interact to like sex? Like, is it different and uh-huh. all this stuff? And there are some people who say it's different and some people say it's the same. At the end of the day, it's like everybody's an individual. So you can't really judge it based on that person's white or Hispanic or Middle Eastern or whatever. It's just that person's that person right so that's where i evolved the conversation to because it's kind of like for me it's like it's from a sex perspective it's like it's all the same in the dark so it doesn't matter but from relationships it's kind of how does he treat you Mm. and so if they treat you well then it works and actually one of my best boyfriends was a german guy who was white and Everybody in my family loved him, and they're like, "Why did you mess that up?" So, <laughs> but, and we're still friends today. But yeah. he is still, you know, that's one of the things I I think is white guys actually I think in general not to be a stereotype, but I feel like they do treat you better because they have a less of a stigma of being this man's man and hard and like not soft and like they don't have to like follow that stigma that a lot of black men feel they have to follow uh-huh. and they feel freer to express their love okay so let's talk a little bit more about that and i met i met this guy you're talking about i really like him too he's he's, he's a nice guy <laughs> everybody's like why'd you mess that up uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean like relationships change and you know people need to do what they need to do but, no i messed it up but uh, I, I will take full blame <laughs> but i don't i don't regret it because i learned and now we're friends and that's i wish them the best yeah 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 um so oh man i i want to i want to go back to the i want to go back to the conversations about that you've had with with women and so where do you think where do you think that that mentality or that shock that you've had in conversations with your girlfriends 
uh, about being open to dating other types of people comes from like their mentality of like well, what do you mean it is so shocking i think it's from our parents so uh-huh. i think all of our parents grew up in we're i'm one generation from segregation my parents grew up in segregated elementary schools most most of my friends parents did too and so they were taught to stick with their own and so they passed that on to us I think they pass it on to both males and females in our groups, but women are traditionally more obedient. And mm. so women are going to listen more to what their parents tell them to do and try and follow it. And so women are, one, more obedient, and two, we're caretakers. So we tend to be more towards, well, our black men are struggling, let's help take care of them. Mm. And so we don't have time to think about challenging what we've been taught our whole lives and to we're so busy taking care of our own black men that we don't think about outside of the race. And then and then there's racism as well, where it's just like, well, I think sometimes that when you look at TV, it's black or white. You know, white doesn't get along with black, black doesn't get along with white. That's what gets promoted in TV, the racism. And so people get scared to try something they're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Especially if you grew up not around white people, then you don't have experiences or you don't have a reference to say, what TV is telling you is wrong. And so in my experience, you know, growing up in the suburbs, I've experienced all types of different white people, people who come up to me speaking slang and like, how you is and all this stuff. And I'm just like, that's not how I talk to people who talk to me like a human being because they are interested in connecting with me. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I learned to treat people like people and don't have that stigma of, oh, they're white, I'm not gonna talk to them. Yeah. And so if you didn't grow up that way, that's one, you're going to follow what your parents told you. And two is kind of, you're going to follow what your parents told you. Actually, it's three things. Two, I'm scared of what I don't know. And I think a lot of people, not just black people, will benefit from, you know, trying things that they're scared of. And three, we're caretakers and we look at our black men as struggling. So we want to help take care of them. Aha. So... That's an interesting. That's an interesting thing that you mentioned about black women and their view, and your in from what you're saying, their view of needing to take care of black men. And one of the things that <clears throat> one of the things that I've been curious about is the difference with the way that black men perceive interracial relationships and the way that black women perceive interracial relationships. And 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 we're we're talking about heterosexual relationships. I, I don't really have much experience in thinking about or having conversations about um, non-heterosexual relationships. At the speak on what I know. That are interracial. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um so just like the preface it if anybody's listening, we're like, why are they only talking about hetero what anyway. Um and so my perception is and then growing up as well is that it, when black men are talking about interracial relationships with non-black women, it's not really an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the opposite. So, like, black women talking about black men dating non-black women. That's a problem. And one of the things that, that I was always wary of, because I, I grew up too sort of like taste the rainbow mm-hmm. right trying to connect with people yeah but i always had a fear that has now sort of been reduced to an apprehension 
when talking about or you know being out with my wife who's white mm-hmm. and with like black women in spe- specifically you had that worry when y'all started dating yeah 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 i remember you talking to me about that exactly and yeah. so so where what what is what is that attitude from black women or that mentality from black women um and is it real and what's your experience what's your experience with it been like you know i'm gonna have to talk about your wedding <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes yes so i always dismissed it as just media hyping it up okay and i used to dismiss it as uh yeah just media hyping it up because it was just like i still saw black you know black people dating or you know it's just always been a struggle to find decent people mm-hmm. but when i went to your wedding it was just like well you were marrying white women i love audra by the way she's yeah. a she's a cool chick <laughs> so i have nothing against audra i love her um but every i would say three out of the four black men there were with a white woman not other but just a white woman right. and it was like the first time in my life that i actually saw what I saw on TV in real life and I felt rejected and it was depressing for me and I wanted to be happy for you guys because I love Audra and it wasn't a reflection of her but it was just everywhere I turned I was just shocked and I was just like and they weren't even like I was like dang I was like she could even get one of my dudes I'm like for real I was like I was like I mean not to be superficial but I was like she she don't got it like that so I'm just like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, oh, I was just like, dude. So I don't know. I really felt depressed from that. And actually, your um, what was it? Your friend, the black guy with the dreads. He doesn't have dreads anymore, right? Well, I don't think he has dreads anymore. Yeah, but yeah. He was like, "We're gonna find you somebody," because it was just obvious. It was so obvious, like in our age group. And then you and Anthony and Ron took a picture with your wife. Yeah. And all of them were white. And it was just, I'd never felt so unwanted before. And that depressed me for a little bit. And then I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep tasting the rainbow and <laughs> do my thing. But I that reinforced my need to not stay just within my race and date. Because oh. I was like, I prefer to stay within my race. But if it's, it becomes a problem for black women when it seems like the preference is to not date us because they see us as being too difficult or too demanding or too just you know the angry black woman syndrome and mm. things like that and it's it's not fair because we're not all like that right and so to be automatically discounted because of our race is where a lot of black women get sensitive when they see a black man out with a non-black woman right because the assumption is oh he's with her because he's rejecting us yeah He's rejecting black women. Yeah, and it was... Yeah, and so that's where a lot of us get upset. And, like, I encourage black women to go out with non-black men. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, go out. You'll have fun. If you don't like them, then don't date them. But, you know, I've dated white dudes that are shitty as well. So <laughs> I was just like, you know, it's people are people. So just figure people out and then see what works and what doesn't. I prefer to stay with a black guy, but mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out that way... It, it won't work out that way, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's something that's something that I have been sensitive to, and and um, am still sensitive to because 
you know, like throw, throwing the the relationships and the makeup of the racial relationships into the mix in the larger context of racism in this country. Um, you know, black women have it really bad. I'm gonna take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we are definitely we are definitely drinking drinking to get through this. It's you know it's it's rough. Um, and, you know, I, I've had discussions in the past about um, about who is it worse for, right? Black women or black men? And I feel like black men are more okay to date outside their race. Oh, in terms of in terms of interracial dating, yeah, I think yeah. it's much much more fluid and much more acceptable for a black man. So black women win. Yeah, in the <laughs> suckiness of dating. Yeah, and maybe, you know the thing is, is that just thinking about careers uh, in in the larger society, you know, black men have unique challenges. Black women have unique challenges as well. But in most circles, in most professional circles, and like larger societal circles, black men have the fact that going for them that they're still a man, right? And they can yeah. be related in that way. And so, you know, I, I've always not always, but more recently come around to this idea that man it's it is there there are a unique set of challenges that black women face in realms of society that black men don't have to face yeah um and and there are challenges that both black men and women have that are shared and so there there is a sense of there's a bit of sense of guilt you know to be a black man mm-hmm. to have married someone outside of my race to have dated outside of my race and and realize that Black women are still struggling, just like, you know, black people are still struggling, but black women are still struggling in these ways in relationships. Yeah. Um, but I give Audra a black card. I'm going to get her a black card. You're going to get her a black card and stamp her. I was just talking about it. I was like, Audra goes harder for black issues than I do. <laughs> I'm like, calm down, sister. Right. <laughs> It'll be okay. Right. So. And I mean, you know, that's that's one of the other things in, in thinking about kind of my own journey in in dating is that one of the things that i realized that was going that that if i was going to date and marry somebody outside of my race like i needed to be able to have these conversations about race yeah and to have them in an intelligent way um but not everybody picks people in that way right kind of right if you're just gonna pick somebody just because they look all right go ahead and pick a black chick right (laughs) exactly exactly so that's that's where i get I get discouraged when I see us not routinely not being picked or people saying they prefer they don't want to date black women and they're black themselves. And that that really hurts. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's just kind of fucked up. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean it is. That that's just kind of yeah. messed up. Um okay, so so, so we've got this issue of, of racism and it, of impacting different communities. And we talk about our parents passing on the way that they were socialized to us and how that impacts our relationships. Mm-hmm. So talk about your first, your first serious relationship outside of your race and what that was like for you. And then what was that like for the communities and your friends, like experiencing that? The first 
was probably the major one was Kristoff. Uh-huh. So um, we were both in the same leadership program at GE. And he was dating somebody at the time. And we all went to China for a leadership retreat, something. And he was filling me. I was filling him. <laughs> and I was like, it's not my girlfriend. So <laughs> it was. So we she ain't here. She... <laughs> <laughs> what your girl got to do with me? I'm a homewrecker. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a black woman, too. <laughs> we did not do anything beyond yeah yeah what y'all did yeah yes. we'll just yeah, we're, we'll not, just, we're not gonna yeah. go into detail yeah anyway so <laughs> i ended up moving to london for work and he lived there and he broke up with his girlfriend and we ended up dating for almost two years and he was from germany he actually bought a book <laughs> a one-on-one book for african-american history for dummies and stuff like that <laughs> But he was really serious but about that, yeah. learning about my history and about my culture. And I remember he surprised me one day with the trip to the spa. We were like walking. I didn't know where we were going. And he was like, oh, shoot, I forgot. And we went into to basically the Walgreens of, of London. It's called Baker's. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he got me a shower cap because he knew about my hair. Like I couldn't get my hair wet. And I was like, oh, like when we got there, it all clicked. I was like, why is he buying? shower cap <laughs> and, I was like, and so that was sweet that he thought about that yeah and it's not natural for him to think that way and so it was just he was very thoughtful very um inquisitive and wanted to come and was just very open yeah. and i don't know if it's because he was a european white person and he was just in germany they've always they messed up so bad in the past that they are conditioned to start looking at things from all perspectives before they make a decision but he was always thoughtful and considerate and he was very smart and he was all about his business too at the same time so he was kind of why my parents liked him so much because he was kind of like a total package uh-huh. and I remember he came to the U.S. to visit with me um, he came to the U.S. a couple of several times but one time we met in New York and it was his mom and me and him and we were walking through Harlem and I felt self-conscious about holding his hand and that was the first time I really you know was surrounded by black people so going back to the whole HBCU thing did I think about dating white people back then probably not that seriously because I really felt uncomfortable holding his hand and I actually dropped his hand at one point and he purposefully put my hand back in his hand and like made me walk down the street through Harlem with him and I was just like holding some white dude's hand I know but I felt self-conscious about it because I was like I wonder if they're looking at me and maybe those whole old Oreo feelings came back but Uh, it was kind of like I felt weird about it because I had never done that before Yeah, and it was kind of not something I was used to Mm. so I still remember that experience and I still felt bad about it and I think that's part of the reason why I still had a lot of growing to do before in that relationship but I, I'm glad I had that relationship because it would kind of taught me about my own prejudices and my own things that I had to get over so it was it was really good we went to the Obama inauguration together <laughs> and it was just like a whole love fest and it was just it was a really good relationship and we're still friends today he's one of the few people I still keep in touch with that I dated yeah talk about the Jill Scott concert <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> when I was an ass. <laughs> so he knew one of my favorite artists was Jill Scott, and I was working in a this site not not close to our house at all where we stayed. And he surprised me. He showed up there out of the blue, surprised me with Jill Scott tickets that night for the same night to go to a concert. And it was like one of the sweetest surprises because it was like, one, he had to look this up. Two, he knew it was my favorite artist. And three, he had to surprise me. And it was just all came together. And I was in there still like, I don't know, in my spoiled state like i don't like this sandwich go get me another sandwich (laughs) but anyways jill scott shows up and we're we got there so early and we were probably like two or three you know faces away from jill scott wow and i feel like she's staring at me the whole time with this white dude like dancing behind me like why are you with this white guy (laughs) and i felt judged and i felt like She's like, why aren't you with the brother? I was just like, he did pay for these tickets. So this is money going in your pocket. But I felt I felt a little, it, it dampened the experience for me. Uh. And it was kind of like, I, I wasn't feeling judged by the audience, but I felt judged by Jill Scott. Because in, in London and Europe, it's normal for uh-huh. there to be black-white relationships and people don't think twice about it. But her being African-American and then looking down, literally down at me from the stage... And I felt her keep glancing back at me. And it was just like, I just saw the judgment. <laughs> I was just like, oh, why? And I felt a little put off. Huh. Yeah. I think I felt a little put off. And I I, I hope that she's grown from that. Or maybe I'm portraying my own insecurities on her. But that's the way I felt at the time. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening, Jill Scott, I mean, you know, you can, you can come on a show and talk about that if- Anytime. Anytime. And remember, I invited you to my house for Thanksgiving, too. <laughs> that didn't happen, but. Yeah, you yeah. know. I, I guess she, she might be a bit busy. But. She was a little busy. Did you talk to Kristoff about that? No, I never... You never mentioned that to him, huh? We didn't talk about race a lot, probably because we were living in London. And uh-huh. it was, like, racism isn't really as big an issue in London as it is in the U.S. And there is racism in the U.K. and things like that, especially with the riots they had in South London and things like that. But it's not as... It doesn't drive society the way it does here mm-hmm. and the way that you interact and the way you go to church and things like that. But I didn't talk to him about the Jill Scott thing because I felt like we had a we couldn't find a way a ride home. <laughs> we ended up sleeping overnight in a stairwell. There was a bunch of stuff that happened that <laughs> night, <laughs> but it never came up because it was something I don't think I could have explained to him how I felt. Uh-huh. And so I just kept it to myself. It was just, it was a great experience, but it was dampened by that feeling I got. And I couldn't, it's not something you can like tangibly explain without sounding like you're complaining and making something up that doesn't exist. Right. But Harlem, it was, 
I don't think we talked about that either. Uh-huh. It was just he felt I was uncomfortable, but he forced me to hold his hand. <laughs> and then remember when we went partying at New Year's? <laughs> <laughs> that that is when that is when um, I was like, oh shit! He demoed y'all. <laughs> <laughs> So we we were all we were all what was that at like liquid H- H2O, H2O yeah in DC when it was still open it was, <laughs> yeah when it was still open and like you know we're all dancing together you know having a good time I was dancing with Christoph then he went to the bathroom and I was like I'm about to get it in with my boy <laughs> so we were getting it in and then Christoph comes in and just like just snatches snatches me. you out of the way I was dancing between you and Ryan yep. <laughs> He might have thrown an elbow in my ribs or something like that. I don't know. But, you know, I was I was mad for a second. Then I was like, okay, all right. I felt a hair grab me by the side and pull me out. <laughs> this is my woman. <laughs> and, 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 like, honestly, I was, and, and honestly, I was like, okay. You respected him I, for I respected that. him for that because he was like, no, this is, this is my woman. Because, you know... If he was a weaker man, he'd be like, well, well you know. they are on beats. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing that dating outside your race, you will not always catch the beat. Just just be prepared. <laughs> so, so, just out of sync a little bit. Just huh? be, be prepared. Be a little out of sync. It's, it's you know, there are different different aspects to different cultures and everything like that. So, yeah. It's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> not all the time. Not uh, all the time. Pretty much. Pretty much your experience? 80% of the time. 80% of the time. I'm a pretty good dancer. (laughs) You are a pretty good dancer. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was it like the... What was it like the first time you introduced your white boyfriend to your family and your friends? Like, talked about it. Because eventually, they came to like him. But, like, what was that first experience like for you leading up to it? And then people's reactions. I think the fact that my dad wasn't around when they met Christoph made it much smoother. Uh-huh. So I think my dad would have had a bigger issue because I think it was more reflection. Why aren't you dating someone like me? Mm-hmm. But they actually, my family came to London to visit like my mom, my grandpa, and my auntie. And he found a way to, vi- well, he wanted to visit while he was there. And then he found a way to miss the last train back to his house, which he didn't really stay in that much. So he had to stay over the whole two weeks that they were there and it was never it was a non-issue like Uh i was worried most about my grandpa my grandpa who's 95 now and grew up you know in the heart of (laughs) central georgia like ku klux klan yeah um couldn't get past the seventh grade with education because they didn't exist for colored children all this stuff and he liked them i was like cool like he had never had an issue with them because it was just Christoph was respectful. He, mm-hmm. I think he showed up with flowers when they arrived, mm. and um, and I remember he showed up in a suit that first day so that they could be, you know, they could see him in a suit, and he, it was important for him. He wanted to like show off and like impress them, and it, and they recognized that, and so they were like, "He's a good guy, and he takes care of my daughter or my granddaughter, so I like him." Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Were you nervous about it? I, I don't think so. I think I was just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think about things through things all the time as much as I probably should. So, <laughs> so you're just like, uh, I'm, this is happening. I think they knew it was, it was happening 
I think I told him about him beforehand, and I think I was more nervous about if he stayed over, what were they going to say? Mm. That's what I was more worried about, because my mom was just like, you know, you don't shack up until you're married. <laughs> and so, like, I wouldn't even, I never acknowledged the fact that we pretty much lived together. I still don't acknowledge it sometimes, mm-hmm. because that's what I was raised not to do. Right. So, it was, that was, I was more worried about that when he was like, I'm just going to say I missed the train. I was like, I don't Work. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna see right through that, huh? I just happened to miss like, the train. I was like, uh, my grandpa's gonna think I'm a hoe. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what I was more worried about than the race thing. Wow, wow. Well, that's another conversation talking about. I'm not like, a hoe, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with being a promiscuous person. <laughs> but, but we'll another conversation I, I, another day. Yeah, I would we'll, say a we'll, single we'll promiscuous need a, we'll need person. We'll a panel of folks for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a a single promiscuous judgment. <laughs> so. um, but I want to go back to something you said about uh, black masculinity, mm-hmm. and you said that in your experience, the non-black men that you've dated, or you said the white guys that you've dated, mm-hmm. have been freer to express their love and not caught up in these ideas of masculinity so talk more about that and sort of comparing your experiences i think you know growing up as a minority in america you have a a narrower experience of life or you expected to have a narrow experience of life so you know these are the lines that you have to follow these are the things that you have to do in order to make it in society and anything that falls outside of that is not being you know not being black it's not being who you're supposed to be so when you look at like if you look at tv or media in general you never see like tenderness coming from a black man as normal it's always they're coming across as hard they're coming across as distraught and trying and struggling and trying to figure out figure stuff out but they you know that tenderness that love that expressiveness of the freedom to be able to express how they feel about someone the closest I can think back to is Love Jones. And Love Jones was still kind of effed up. Yeah, it was, just yeah like, it was. It was just like, how many times are they going to break up and get back together? But it was just like, you know, everybody remembers that point we did in the, uh, it was like, you're like the bump in my in my hip or something like that. I can't remember, but everybody remembers that one moment because it was just like, that was like a pure expression of his love for her. But for white people, I don't feel like there's, there's a clear definition of what it means to be white. So you're free to make it what you're free to be who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, they're doing that because they're white. It's they're doing that because they're John or because they're Sarah or because they're Joe. Mm-hmm. And so for black people, it's more, especially black men, they're taught, you know, you need to be strong. You need to take care of your family and you need to, you know, make sure everything's okay. And they're, you know, they have their own struggles, which we're not going to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, which comes from, you know, how black people have been treated in America for centuries. But it's kind of that narrow expression of this is what it means to be a man, especially a black man that they feel they need to stick to. That keeps them from being able to express themselves freely and, you know, do things like cry. Like, it's okay to cry and still be a man. I had to get used to be able to see a man cry and not think of them as weak. Because mm. I was raised like, you don't cry. 
Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, you know, you need to be hard, you need to be strong. And it's, you know, it's okay to cry and it's okay to be vulnerable. I still struggle with that today myself as a black woman. And it's more okay for a woman to be vulnerable. Imagine that from a black man. Right. And where it's, it's not traditionally okay. So I think they just have a lot of stigma and a lot of societal education and training to break through to be able to say, you know, I love my woman. And so I, when I date black men, I don't wait for them to say, you know, I don't look for what Hallmark says is the expression of love, like (laughs) roses or things like that. It's like, what do they do for me? Uh... Like the things that they do, like one person I was talking to, it wasn't that they took out the trash, but they put a liner back in the trash can without me having to say anything. I was That's like, love. that was love for me. <laughs> but that was like a big deal for me. And I was just like, you know, it was like thought, thoughtful enough to like, you know, make sure my house is okay. That's incredible. So, so not, not only, not only impact that, that black masculinity or ideas of black masculinity have on black men and their relationships with black women but then how you perceive those things and you having to disrupt those ideas of black masculinity yourself mm-hmm. and so where do I mean like where does that come from where does that that need to disrupt those ideas come from do you think for you like how do I so so you, so you said that it's taking you time to get used to seeing a black man cry and not think of him as weak mm-hmm. what made you want to disrupt that idea I think probably <laughs> dating outside of my race uh. made it okay for me to rethink my bounds of what being a man is. And so when I look back at Kristoff, like one of the things that he was too nice for me at the time. And I hate when people say, you know, someone, I break up with them because they're too nice, but I wasn't able to handle it. Like uh-huh. I grew up with my father who I love and I know he loves me, but you know, I'm coming home for a couple of months from Wisconsin to Virginia disrupting my life and you know he's excited about it but the best he could say is like you know I'm I'm excited for you to get come home and that's that's like the level of excitement <laughs> and it was just like you know that's his expression he doesn't know how to express himself and so that's what I was used to and so I wasn't used to someone always wanting to hold me or do things for me and all that type of stuff I was just overwhelmed and I was just like it's too much uh-huh. and so but you know, going through that whole breakup and it was, you know, right thing at the time because I wasn't ready for that. It was rethinking what does it mean to, for how a man should treat me in a relationship. And also being, just over time, I've, I've had to learn to accept people as they are, where they are, and not expect them to fall into what I expect a man should always be because sometimes I'm not always right. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Really? <laughs> Not, <gonna> not <laughs> on wood. But it's rare. <laughs> sometimes I'm not right. So I was just like, you know, let me let me see and let me let me reassess am I crazy? And so actually I talked to my dad now to see about if I'm crazy or not. Because he may not express himself, but I'll I'll check what what's happening in relationship with him and see and he'll give me advice. Sometimes I follow it, sometimes I don't. But yeah. it's kind of Dating outside of my race made me reassess how a man should be. Interesting. Yeah. And you think that that experience has helped you date black men 
today. And so what's been the response like? Have you had conversations about being more accepting of masculinity in a black man um, since then? No. No. <laughs> you shake your head down. No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and, and why? And why? Why? Why not? I mean, like, because why are you dudes shaking? don't, especially black dudes, they don't want to talk about that. Like, they don't want to hear like my woman's okay for me to cry for me to cry in front of her. It's like that's like a path they're gonna have to walk through themselves. So I don't know. It's kind of for me. It's an internal processing that I have to do it's an internal check that I have to do like whenever I see something and it's just how where is this person coming from and it's something that I'm not always the most patient person so I've had to learn that about myself Mm -hmm. and people have had to learn that about me like you know just I will chill out at some point (laughs) but and then I've tried other ways of being you know somebody said I was passive aggressive I was like I've never been called that in my life I must have have like progressed because I've always I've never I've always been blunt Uh to the point where like damn like relax a little bit (laughs) it was just like but it's just not something where I need to tell someone it's okay for you to cry in front of me. That just sounds weird to me. I'm not good at expressing myself that way, I guess. Uh-huh. It's more, if that happens, I'll be prepared. Right. And I won't judge them. <laughs> so I won't look you won't at ju- them. judge them too harshly, right? <laughs> I, won't, <laughs> I won't hand them like some tissues and a, a Tampax at the same time. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Goodness but, gracious. No, it, I mean, to me, dating outside of your race has given me more knowledge and more education and more freedom to express myself and freedom to expect other, you know, other types of experiences from relationships than I was traditionally raised in because it was, it's going to be different than what you saw in your household if you grew up with a, with a mom and a dad. And so... To me, it's been a great experience. I always encourage my black sisters to try it. And if you don't like it, it's okay. But, you know, don't try it with someone who's just... There are white dudes out there who just want to date someone because they're black and they want that exotic experience. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I grew up in America. Grew up in Virginia. I'm probably more patriotic than you. <laughs> so I grew up in a military family. No, it's not exotic. But it's... I don't know. At the end of the day, it teaches you to accept people as they are and who they are. And I don't think anyone should date anyone just because you're in the same race or because they're in a different race. I think you should just be open and accept people as they are. And one of the ways to get to that point is to... Try. To try. Yeah. Try the unknown. It'll be a good experience. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yes, indeed. It'll be I think I think I think that's a great I think that's a great way to end yeah. uh, a great final statement to end on. That was uh, that was great. Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much for doing this. This is this has been eye opening. I mean, we're, we're gonna talk once I turn the mic off. We're gonna talk a little bit more about this. But, All right. But uh, yeah. No more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably probably a couple more shots. Because um, <laughs> the Packers are still losing. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they, the Packers are still. I told you they're gonna lose. I'm gonna win this bet. It's going to be great. All right. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, brother. All right. (laughs) All right. Eye-opening indeed. I hope that uh, this conversation uh, and some of the ideas that Nicole expressed uh, through her own experience um, have helped 
shed a little bit more light about how people think about and um, deal with uh, interracial relationships, interracial dating, um, and how that impacts us given our different and uh, multiple identities. Uh, There were a number of things that Nicole expressed uh, here in this podcast that I had never heard her talk about um, and ideas about, especially around um, uh, masculinity and how masculinity is expressed that um, I had never really uh, thought about. And so this is a very valuable conversation uh, for me to to go back and think about the history of of my relationships and, um, and certainly moving forward thinking about um, our daughter, Simone, who uh, is going to be, who is biracial and is going to be, no doubt, dealing with uh, some of these issues in ways that I, I don't think that either myself or, or my wife could could really kind of imagine um, and certainly not experience. And so uh, I hope that you all have enjoyed this show. I hope that you all have enjoyed Nicole. She's definitely going to be back, probably talking about a different topic because uh, like all of the people on this podcast um, all of these folks have led really rich lives and really rich experiences and when I I want to bring those experiences and those ideas to you uh, if I can and if they're willing to share and so uh, I hope this has been informative I hope it starts a conversation amongst uh, you uh, your friends your your parents your, your peers your families Um, And I hope that it allows us to get to a place where we are able to talk about the nuances of love, the nuances of uh, identity and love, and um, just get to a healthier place uh, where um, we're more accepting uh, and more understanding of uh, the ways that people express themselves with each other. Stay tuned for episode five. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be, but I have a couple of things lined up. Um, And so stay tuned on the website or um, on iTunes, uh, and we'll be back. Thanks. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for another B-Side Conversation. Got a question, comment, or an idea for a show? Send us an email at bsideconvo at gmail.com. That's bsideconvo at gmail.com. In the meantime... Make sure you're taking the time to be curious about and listen to the people you encounter in your everyday life. Remember, the B-side is as close as that unfamiliar person standing next to you. myself.